0: Hola, and welcome to Spanish Answers, episode 38. I'm your host, Sarah, with Language Answers, and today's cultural tip is all about Mexican holidays. Now, all of my notes for today's cultural tip come from officeholidays.com. That, of course, will be included in the show notes, a link to that. And normally I try to just focus on the national holidays, you know, holidays that the government has declared will be official holidays throughout the whole country, but because there were so few extra, so to speak, holidays to talk about. I went ahead and just did all the ones that were listed as statutory holidays as well as days like Mother's Day and Father's Day that aren't really like official holidays, but you know, are celebrated anyway. But that being said, this list is definitely not a comprehensive list of all the holidays that are celebrated throughout Mexico, just the statutory ones. So let's go ahead and get started with those. Okay, so Mexico does celebrate New Year's Day or El Año Nuevo on January 1st, which means that the day before, December 31st, they also have New Year's Eve. Or in Mexico it'd be Noche de Fin del Ano. Noche de Fin de Año. End of the year. Now I did do an episode on how Spain and Mexico celebrate New Year's. So if you want to know a more in-depth look at that, I highly recommend that you go to episode one and I'll include a link to that specific episode in the show notes. Okay, so the next holiday that we'll talk about is Constitution Day or Dia de la Constitución. This takes place the first Monday in February every year and basically it's to celebrate the ratification of Mexico's Constitution back in 1917. So this was created during the Mexican Revolution and while it does have negative rights like the United States Constitution does, so negative being that the government doesn't give you these rights, its entire purpose is to protect these rights. So freedom of speech, freedom of religion, things like that, right, the government doesn't provide it. The government's job is to protect it. Well, the Mexican constitution also has positive rights. So these are more materialistic, like you have the right to a decent job, Um, I think there was some kind of right to health care, etc. So just a very different way of looking at the government. Now the way that they celebrate is with festivals and parades and it's a really important day. So. After this comes a holiday in March that is Benito Juarez's birthday, or Natalicio de Benito Juarez, and this is celebrated the third Monday in March every year, and basically Benito Juarez is a really important president. He was the 26th president of Mexico, and he fought for equal rights for indigenous populations and he also fought against French intervention. In fact, the time period when he was president is known as La Reforma, because so much change important change was happening and one really interesting thing about Benito Juarez is that he was a Zapotec so that's pretty cool and if you learn a little bit about how he about his beginnings it's also pretty impressive that he actually became the 26th president so after that is of course the Easter holidays so we've got Moundy Thursday or Jueves Santo we've got Good Friday or Viernes Santo and we've got Easter or La Pascua de Resurrección Now, these, of course, are going to vary because of how Easter is calculated. It involves the full moon and one of the equinoxes, and it's a little bit complicated. I personally always just look at my calendar to figure out when Easter is, but there is a system to it. So, whenever Easter happens, then, of course, the Friday before that is Good Friday, and the Thursday before that is Maundy Thursday. And then, of course, in May, we have two important days. We have Mother's Day, which, again, is not a statutory holiday, but it is celebrated and it's celebrated on May 10th, so it's Día de la Madre, or Día de las Madres, and according to officeholidays.com, in Mexico, children will go to their parents' house on the day before Mother's Day, and then the morning of May 10th, they'll wake their mother up to Las Mañanitas. They'll sing it, or they'll actually have hired a band to sing it to them, and I don't know, I think that's a kind of a It's kind of a cool custom. I personally don't know what my mom would do if I woke her up in the morning with Las Mañanitas, but it could be fun to find out. And then after, well, before that really, are actually two important holidays. So May 1st is known as Labor Day or May Day, pretty international holiday, right? Dia del Trabajo or Primero de Mayo. And basically it's just to celebrate the labor movement, workers, really it's celebrated in a large part of the world. So, we won't spend too much time on that. But then the Cinco de Mayo, or May 5th, is also an important holiday unique to Mexico. So, it deals with the Mexican-American War, which happened from 1846 to 1848. So, after the war, actually, Mexico was basically bankrupt from it, and President Benito Juarez. our favorite president so far that we've talked about, really the only one we've talked about. He basically said, we're not gonna pay back our debt for a bit. We will eventually, but we need we need some time to recover. And the English, the French, and the Spanish did not take that well. So they invaded Mexico. Yeah, really did not take it well. Eventually, Spain and England stopped, but France carried on, right? And then on May 5th, there was the Batalla de Puebla. So this was a really important battle It happened in a tiny town called Puebla, and it was basically kind of how the American revolutionary soldiers were against the British, right? You had this ragtag team of not really well-trained, kind of under-equipped, the underdogs, and then you've got the impressive, sparkly army of the British forces. Well, that's how it was here. You have the ragtag group of Puebla and the invading French army, So, amazingly, I think it'd be really interesting to find out how, like, to read up on this battle, but Puebla beat France, so good job, Puebla! Anyways, that's why the Batalla de Puebla was so important, and also why only this town of Puebla actually has Cinco de Mayo as an official public holiday. So, but the rest of the country still considers it an important day, it's just Puebla is the only one that's like, nope, this is an official public holiday, and quite frankly, I think they burned it. Okay, then we've got Father's Day, or Dia del Padre, right, or Dia de los Padres, Father's Day, and this is celebrated the third Sunday in June, and one of the unique things that was noted was that, um, there's a 21 kilometer race that happens in Mexico City, it's called the Carrera del Dia del Padre, that's kind of cool. Father's Day has its own race. Now, Independence Day in Mexico, of course, is also going to be a little different than ours. Every country's, you you know, story of independence is pretty unique. And this is called Dia de la Independencia, or Grito de Dolores. So, Dia de la Independencia, or Grito de Dolores. Basically, September 16th is when this is celebrated, and it marks the beginning of the Mexican War of Independence against Spain. More specifically, it highlights a really cool event. So, Father Miguel Hidalgo y Costilla, on this day in 1810, in the village of Dolores, proclaimed an end to Spanish rule in Mexico and basically started an insurrection against the Spanish. That's pretty cool. Basically, he went over to his church bell, rang it to gather the congregation, then basically was like, let's get this rebellion started and according to OfficeHolidays.com, what he said was, Viva la Virgen de Guadalupe, viva Fernando el Septimo, abajo al mal gobierno. So, long live Our Lady of Guadalupe, long live Fernando the Seventh, down with the bad government. I uh, don't know how accurate exactly that is, but after this, he managed to get together an army and they tried to overthrow the government, basically. He did not succeed, but he did start fighting for full independence for all of the Spanish-American colonies and to get rid of all the Spaniards within Mexico. The war for independence basically lasted 10 years before the Spanish Viceroy acknowledged Mexico's independence in 1821. So, very long time to gain independence. But, what they do to celebrate this is, each year, the Mexican president will actually ring... Hidalgo's bell and he'll repeat his proclamation and they have a military parade in Mexico City so that's pretty cool and that is also why the day is sometimes called Grito de Dolores the shout from uh, Dolores all right then there is of course Mexico Mexican Day of the Races or Mexico Day of the Races also Dia de la Raza and this is celebrated on October 12th every year and basically it's their version of Columbus Day So basically, it's a day where they celebrate Columbus finding America, or discovering America, and also, they kind of celebrate the different races, or the different ethnic groups within Mexico. Then, on November 2nd, we have Day of the Dead, or El Dia de los Muertos, and basically, it's a day to remember all of one's lost or departed loved ones, so basically, you have um, families that will set up graves, or they'll set up family altars, and they'll bring whoever it is they're celebrating. They'll bring their favorite food and drinks, and then um, you know they'll say some prayers or chants, and then have a picnic. And around 6 p.m., the bells will begin ringing to bring the dead, to summon the dead, and they ring about every 30 seconds throughout the rest of the night until sunrise. And then anyone who kept, you know, watch all night, then they can go home. Now, it sounds like they celebrate deceased children on November 1st, which is All Saints Day, and then they celebrate deceased adults on November 2nd, so Day of the Dead. And an interesting thing about this holiday is that it seems to have stemmed from the indigenous beliefs of the area. I know that office holidays talked about, or holidays.com talked about the Aztec calendar, they also have special food that are used to celebrate. So, like you got the pan de muerto, which is a coffee cake, and then you've got—I uh, mean—skulls are a big symbol of this day as well. You've got skeletons. So, while it might seem a little bit morbid to cultures that don't celebrate death this way, it kind of isn't. Like, I find it a very interesting holiday that you would have a set—a set day that is set aside to celebrate the the loved ones who are lost right and remember them and celebrate them so i don't know if you've seen the disney movie coco but i love that movie and it's basically a really good way to kind of see how this would be celebrated i mean let me know if i'm wrong because i haven't actually celebrated the day of the dead coco was a pretty good movie and the whole movie is basically based on this day but the reason why they celebrate is because they believe that the souls of these dead loved ones come back once a year, right, and can visit them, so to speak. So that's why you have this big picnic or on the gravesite because you're you're basically waiting for your dead relatives to come and celebrate with you. All right, so the next day is Revolution Day, which is Dia de la Revolución, and this is celebrated every 3rd Monday of November. And basically it's to remember the day on November 20th back in 1910 when Madero basically started the Mexican Revolution he denounced the president well he denounced the Spanish general Diaz and basically called him uh, declared himself president and started the rebellion this holiday is in commemoration of the beginning of the Mexican Revolution next is Dia de la Virgen de Guadalupe or Day of the Virgin of Guadalupe so it's a holiday to celebrate Mary and it's on December 12th. This is also a really interesting holiday. So one thing to remember is that Mary is the patron saint of Mexico. To celebrate this day, they have a mass ceremony and a fair. Lots of people flock to Mexico City to see the site where, supposedly, the Virgin appeared to a man named Juan Diego. So he was an indigenous Indian, and he was apparently walking to the hill of Tepeyac, on december 12th way way back in 1531 when the virgin mary appeared to him and she told him to go to the bishop and you know petition him to build a church at that hill well he goes to the bishop and of course the bishop doesn't believe him so juan diego is going about his business and the virgin mary once again appears to him and tells him to collect flowers that are out of season at the top of the hill So he goes there and sees these flowers and brings them to the bishop. Now, once he brings them to the bishop, there is this image of the Virgin Mary on the coat that he uses to gather up the flowers, and that, combined with the fact that the flowers shouldn't be there, but they are there, the bishop realizes that Juan Diego is telling the truth, and so he builds the basilica of the Virgin of Guadalupe on the top of Tepeyac Hill in Mexico City. I I thought that was a really cool holiday, so... Dia de la Virgen de Guadalupe. And then, of course, we've got Christmas on December 25th, Dia de Navidad. And one interesting fact about this is that Mexican children actually get their gifts on Epiphany instead of Christmas Day. So, Epiphany is on January. So, if you remember from when we talked about the holidays in Spain, Epiphany is also known as Three Kings Day. It's the day when the three wise men came and found Jesus. But Christmas Day is still, you know, the celebration of when Jesus Christ was born. Uh, Just to recap, there are 12 statutory holidays in Mexico. So that's New Year's Day, Constitution Day, Benito Juarez's birthday, Maundy Thursday, Good Friday, Labor Day, and Puebla only. There's the Cinco de Mayo, so it's really a regional holiday, not the statutory holiday. We talked about Mother's Day and Father's Day, but those are also not public holidays. And then, going back to the statutory holidays, we've got Independence Day, Mexico Day of the Races, Day of the Dead, Revolution Day, Day of the Virgin of Guadalupe, and Christmas Day. This has already gone way longer than I intended, so let's go ahead and get started with the episode. Alright, so today we'll do 10 more filler words, or muletillas. So this is part two of our filler words, right? Just again, a reminder that one of the ways to really sound more like a native when you're talking in Spanish is to use filler words, because if you kind of listen to yourself or analyze your friends or your family talking, you'll see that we use a lot of filler words or connecting words as we speak. The first one that we're going to talk about today is en plan. I don't actually like this one. I'm not entirely sure why. I think it's because... It's very similar to vale, and it's used in Spain, so both vale and en plan in Spain are kind of the Spanish equivalent of using the word like in English. And I just prefer vale, vale has a special place in my heart because I remember listening to even teachers in Sevilla use vale all the time, and you could tell that it was definitely used in the same way that we use like in English, but I don't remember hearing en plan a lot, And it just seems like it takes more work and it just doesn't feel as natural. But that's just to me. I'm sure there are others who really enjoy using en plan. An example of this would be, yo quiero en plan ir a la fiesta mañana. I want to, like, go to the party tomorrow. Yo quiero en plan ir a la fiesta mañana. The second one is, digo. And this one is, Super useful because, I don't know about you, but I mess up what I want to say all the time. Spanish or English. So, in Spanish, digo, you can use to say, I meant, or I mean, or that is to say. So, for example, ¿Qué piensas de mi vestido? Es terrible, digo, fantástico. So, what do you think of my dress? It's terrible, I mean, fantastic. ¿Qué es la palabra en español? Crecer, digo, pensar. What's the word in Spanish? To grow, I mean, to think. It can also be similar to osea or es decir. So, for example, ¿Quieres más? Osea, ¿te gusta esta comida? ¿Vas a bailar? Es decir, ¿puedes? It basically is the same thing, right? I mean, or that is to say. The third one is sin embargo. And I use this in writing all the time. Not so much in speech, but I love it for writing. And it's basically, nevertheless, or however. For example, no tenía dinero para un taxi. Sin embargo, iba a llegar al baile. He didn't have money for a taxi. However, he was going to make it to the dance. Number four is eso. So this means that or like I said. So for example, if you're talking, you say, ¿Puedes ayudarme? Mira, eso, que no tengo tiempo. So, can you help me? Look, it's like I said, I don't have time. Por eso, when you use it as por eso, it means that's why, right? Like, for that reason, because of that. So, for example, no tengo tiempo, por eso no puedo jugar. I don't have time, so because of that, I can't play. So, number five, para mí. It's a soft way of disagreeing with someone, kind of like saying, in my opinion... So, para mí, el autor no tiene sentido. In my opinion, the author doesn't make sense. Number six, en fin. You can use this kind of as a all-in-all, all, or it can be also used similar to ESO or to end a conversation. For example, en fin. Gracias por invitarnos. Nos divertimos. En fin, este artículo... Intenta describir la historia de los trucos de magia. So then, thanks for inviting us. We had fun. All in all, this article tries to describe the history of magic tricks. Number seven, además. I also use this in writing more than I do in speech. It means furthermore, moreover, in addition to. So for example, además, un re no debe tener... Tanto poder. Furthermore, a king shouldn't have so much power. Number eight, venga. This can mean come on. For example, no quieres tomar un cafecito? Venga, por qué no? You don't want to have a little bit of coffee? Come on, why not? Venga ya can also mean come on, and it's more like, come on, come on, come on. For example, ¿Dónde están tus zapatos? ¡Venga ya! ¡Tenemos que ir! Where are your shoes? Come on, we have to go. It could also be, Come on already, we have to go. Just that extra emphasis. Number nine, ¿A qué no? It means you'll never guess or I bet. For example, ¿A qué no sabes que compré tu pastel favorito? You'll never guess what I bought. Your favorite cake. And lastly, number 10, encima que, encima que, it means on top of that. So for example, yo tengo tanta tarea y encima que trabajar hasta la medianoche. I have so much homework and on top of that, I have to work until midnight. That indeed would be a very terrible day. Those are the last of our part two of the Moletias. I hope you've enjoyed this. Also, in going back and editing, I noticed that there are parts where I got very quiet. I apologize. Those are the parts where my baby had finally fallen asleep and I didn't want to wake her up. There were also parts where you could kind of hear a rattling sound. That was her playing with her rattle. Thank you for your patience and bearing with that. I just didn't have time this week to re-record. That's all for today. Please don't forget to check out the show notes for notes and or links to resources used for this episode. This episode was brought to you by Language Answers Limited. If you're looking for a Spanish to English translator, someone to edit or review your documents, or would like tutoring, you can email me at contact at languageanswers.com. That's contact at languageanswers.com. Or visit my website, www.languageanswers.com. You can also send me your questions or topics you'd like me to discuss in a podcast episode. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you in two weeks.